0: I'm Marcus Brown, this is a Runner's Life podcast. This is the platform for richer conversations that explore the person behind the runner. I discuss the topics that influence us as runners locally, whilst concurrently connecting us to the wider global community. If you found value in the show, please subscribe and share with your community on social media and leave a rating on Apple Podcasts or the platform selected as it helps the podcast grow. If you want to support my work directly, you can become a member on Patreon at www.patreon.com slash life. Thank you for tuning in. Now let's head to the conversation. Hey, Joseph, welcome to a runner's life podcast. How are you?
1: I'm great, man. Uh, thank you for having me here. I appreciate the, the time.
0: I appreciate you coming on the podcast Um, big fan of what you're doing and uh, how you're going about things so I'm looking forward to talking to you but before we get into the main bulk of the conversation I want to ask a couple of uh, fun questions well obviously you'll decide whether they're fun or not so (laughs) let's see how it goes okay so first one where would you time travel if it was possible
1: I would have loved to watch Jesse Owens compete. I mean, I mean, being that this is a podcast about athletics, like I would love to see Jesse Owens. Now, there are other things. If I could time travel, of course, there are other things in life that I would love to see. But from an athletic, an athlete's perspective, I would have loved to see Jesse Owens and maybe even get a chance to to meet him and just kind of have a conversation. Um, that would have been dope. But uh, yeah, I guess we'll stick with that one
0: that's a great answer i think yeah considering what he achieved in the time that he achieved it um right right. (laughs) a lot of a lot of strength to be honest uh kind of reminds me a bit of like joe lewis in a weird way as well in boxing terms as well so um oh
1: yeah yeah joe lewis man that was quite a feat
0: yeah for sure and what is one important skill that you think every person should have
1: selflessness um yeah, selflessness, I think that's something that we are lacking as uh, as a human race.
0: That's a great answer, because that ties into my next question perfectly. Imagine a genie can grant you three wishes, but none of them can directly benefit you. What will those wishes be?
1: See, well, that's the thing is if I said everyone um, became, you know, way more selfless than they are, you know, if the genie granted me that wish, that would definitely help me. So I don't know if you can actually, uh, I guess I could say, I could pick a random person in a random part of the world and say that, make this person more selfless. Um, And that wouldn't directly be tied to me. Uh, That would maybe be one. Um, Another one would be, I don't know, like one, one thing that I'm really into um, is uh, I raise money for Childhood Cancer, a Childhood Cancer Center here in Colorado. So uh, seeing um, how that impacts families financially is uh, very sad because um, you almost don't have a chance to really spend time with your child who's going through something very life changing and you're stressed about finances and it's a, it's a very difficult situation to say the least. So one thing that I would, uh, if a genie could grant me is uh, to just have a pool of money um, for families dealing with childhood cancer and everything, all, all bills paid, you know, um, like globally, not just America, but like globally, if you have a child who's dealing with that, um, that you should be able to, not you shouldn't have to pay that um that would be great and lastly oh man these are deep (laughs) questions man really you really uh got people thinking with this kind of stuff
0: that's the yeah i mean it's great to hear your answers as well i mean especially the second one
1: yeah um i think the last one i would just uh the genie would have to grant An infinite number of wishes to my children when I die. How about that? That's a great one. That does not benefit me
0: at all. For someone who's, you know, I can imagine from the outside looking in, um, from the work that you've done professionally, um, I can imagine structure, professionalism is key um, to your sort of day-to-day life and how you go about things. So do you think it's ever okay to waste time?
1: No, I'm a big – I do not – I look at life as – obviously, it's limited, um, and also we are not promised tomorrow. So when I see someone wasting time or even – actually, I can take someone out of it, like just myself. When I'm wasting time, I do think and reflect on the idea that um, I am not promised tomorrow, and if there's something that needs to be done, then I probably should be getting it done now. Um, So, yeah, I – Despise wasting time. No, I hear that. And what
0: is one reason? What is a reason that you get up in the morning?
1: One reason I get up. Yeah. Um, man, just to enjoy life. Uh, just to continue the experience, continue the journey of life, like the gift of life. Because uh, you know, you wake up; it's kind of a surprise, right? You woke up. Uh, nothing today is has revealed any fact or truth or promise that you will wake up tomorrow so you know if i wake up it's like another blessing another day to experience life and and, and uh, love and and hate things and just experience you know what i mean like and share yeah. that time with other people and people you love and people you don't know and people you might meet or you know new friends and new family and so um yeah it's just kind of just excitement to to experience life
0: yeah, I think the joy part is is so crucial, um, as much as like, you've got to be professional and, you know I mean, how structured your day, like, especially with kids and family, you know, you've got to enjoy things as well. I mean, like today, um, I went for uh, part of my recovery run with, with my daughter. Uh, we uh, made this homemade kite. <laughs> and I was, trying, I was trying to drag it along with myself and, and she's loving it. She's giggling. I mean, I'm laughing as well. And it makes you forget that like, you've just run like a ridiculous amount of miles the day before. <laughs> so, um, But no, it's, it's, that, those are the kind of memories that you uh, you treasure, really. And those are the sort of things you can look back in and you go, oh, do you remember when you were young we did this? And that's the kind of thing.
1: Right. Yeah, they'll, they'll probably think, you know, and it's just like us as a, as adults, We we look back on those moments with our parents now and we cherish those moments and we really kind of cling to them in our memory. But in the time, you know, the the time after that, short time after that, kids probably think it was pretty cheesy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But they'll love it later.
0: What was the last time that you did something for the first time?
1: Man, actually, a couple of days ago, like like a day or two ago, uh went to a fast food restaurant. And I'm not the kind of person to complain about food. Typically, I'll just make it work. But... The food was cold and I was just like, you know, I always just kind of keep it to myself. I don't want to stir the pot uh, when it comes to food because I've worked in the food industry and I've seen what happens sometimes to people who are complaining or giving them problems. So I was like, I definitely don't want to be that guy. Yeah. And, um, you know, the food was cold and I'm like, man, you know, I got kids. I don't want my kids to get sick and stuff. And I don't know how long this has been sitting so I actually took it back and I, <laughs> that was the first for me because like I don't ever do that and it was an interesting situation
0: yeah because you, you you sort of suffering through it inside like said something your head you think I should have said something, your head, you're thinking, I have said something. <laughs> well eating the cold food type thing but yeah I think yeah yeah definitely it seems like the best option to sort of go and tell them but obviously like you're saying how you say it is like definitely very critical <laughs>
1: so <laughs> exactly
0: can't be like effing and blinded and sort of just banging your fists and stuff because that's just not going to end well (laughs) yeah you don't want to do that so hopefully they gave you some warm food as a replacement
1: (laughs) you know what man I'm so against complaining in the first place because I know what can happen I just asked for my money back and I just went about my day because that was probably I felt more comfortable doing that rather than them making me more food
0: yeah I mean sense. they missed the mark
1: they missed the mark so bad on this order that it was like clearly something is going on with management or the employees that day uh so I'm just gonna take my money and keep it
0: yeah that makes a lot of sense cool so I said that those that sex was gonna be fun, but it's probably more deep actually and reflection so uh, those <laughs> are some great answers by the way thank you
1: <laughs> yeah that was man, you got me really i had to really get my bag on that one man
0: (laughs) yeah that's that's what we're looking for so that was perfect um and i was sort of thinking because we're both parents as well um and at the time of this podcast my daughter was two years old and she might run she might not and it's not something i'm going to force her into um but i could imagine as an elite athlete yourself that people just assume that your kids are naturally going to start running um which isn't always the case because, you know, they're their own beings, they're their own pe- people. Um, but what advice would you give to young people um, who may want to get into running?
1: Um, you know, I, I, one thing is very important, and I've seen a lot of people for, uh, miss out on this opportunity, is um, when you're young, it's more of a team experience. And um, you need to cherish that there's a lot of athletes who get this prima Donna mentality and they think they're better than everyone and they want to be a cut above the rest and, and they don't really communicate with their team and they treat people like they're beneath them because they're maybe the most talented on the team. And, uh, and even the worst person on the team, maybe they, maybe they don't feel comfortable um, really adapting to, you know, hanging out with the team and really opening up to the team because they feel like they're outside of that group. And, one thing I would say to new athletes is to make sure, like, no matter who you are in that spectrum of athlete, that team experience is once in a lifetime kind of opportunity. Because if you do happen to, I mean, and I am speaking to maybe the elite athlete here, um, if you do happen to be good at it and it's something that, you know, you have a prolonged career because of it, your, your, your gift and your abilities, um, it is not going to be so much of a, a team sport. And it's not going to be about you know having that fun and and um you know those moments like that where you're you're sharing that with your team and you're all kind of growing together with the sport uh, that's kind of lost because when you get to the elite level everyone's kind of developed there's more ego um, that you have to deal with and and more individualism and so you know the young athletes who are still kind of in that early stage like don't take it so serious like have fun with it enjoy that team experience and really um, appreciate it because it, it's not something that will last forever, and you and it will be different later in life. Even even the college to high school is is a big difference. Yeah, the step up is
0: is definitely noticeable, and that sort of section. And I've asked a, a few other athletes, and they've sort of said that's when they sort of noticed the jump from um, just relying on their, their talent, and having to add hard work um, to kind right. of move forward.
1: I mean, uh, and I wasn't even. I wasn't even referring to it in terms of athleticism, like the athletic part about it. I was just saying like even the social aspect, the dynamics of your life really change, you know, from even middle school to high school and high school to college. Um, And so you really need to make sure as a young athlete that you cherish those team um, bonding experiences. Okay.
0: I mean, I was listening to something on the podcast recently, um, and it was talking about – Guys in special forces, and they're talking about being in a team, um, and they even refer to the importance of that, even on on the outside now they're kind of retired from it, but then even when you watch like, say like the programs that they do for, obviously it gives a snippet of like what they're doing for selection, but they're always really talking about the importance of like your team and like even like where, where they're they're doing stuff in selection, like never leave your buddy basically, and they always they sort of always carry that through their lives. And it's a really interesting point, like how sometimes that, I think that lesson could be like replicated in so many other areas of people's lives, not just in kind of like special forces, if it makes sense.
1: <laughs> right. Right.
0: I agree. Um, yeah. But I think, yeah, what you said about teamwork, it definitely is such a key thing, especially at, at the age. Cause I think it definitely takes away some of the ego and helps remind everyone that, you know, you, you're working together, working to be your best self. Um, But then also the fun aspect as well, like, especially your kids, like if you're forcing your kids to be like, you know, go and do this, it's not fun. Then if they don't want to do it,
1: then that's going to turn them off it straight away. Right. Yeah. We've seen that, uh, you know, especially with um, where I live, there's a lot of good athletes in my, in my high school and in my community. And so you would see the overbearing parents who would we'd be done with track practice and or even basketball practice would be done. And, and the parents would be like, no, we're having our practice now. And you could tell the kids were just miserable and they hated it. And um, sure enough, you know, they were great for a couple of years, but they just kind of found their way out of the sport, out of sports in general, um, because they were pushed so hard into it, like just overboard. Yeah. Um, You know, I think you do when when, when you have children, you do need to push them to some degree, Um, but you have to know who you can push and how much you can push them, because every kid's not different. If you got two kids, one kid might like to be pushed and the other might not like it. They might say, hey, I want to go hard when I want to go hard and I want to work when I want to. And so you really got to, you know, do your due diligence and understand and spend time with your kids so that they know and not even just your kids, like even coaches. Right. You got to get to know the kids individually because there's some kids that don't, they don't all work the same way.
0: This is the two part question. Uh, Can you sort of take us back to your first running memory? Um, And then, secondly, can you explain the reasons
1: why you continue to run today? One that always pops up in my head that when I think about my childhood and just running in in the woods uh, was in Germany, actually. We were. for a few years during desert storm and um there's a forest there in near heidelberg and uh yeah we used to play like manhunt uh it's like a like a team tag game and and i remember just i mean when i think about the moments of playing manhunt just running you know on these single track or bushwhacking trying to get away from each other and um it's just a real positive happy memory for me um not one where i can think about being tired you know if it feels like you i could have run forever back then you know and uh i would say that's, that's probably my earliest memory yeah it's a lot of fun yeah definitely seems like that and i guess the
0: second uh part of the question is um what are the reasons um, that you uh, continue to run today
1: um i think just i'm a curious person Uh, so if I wasn't competing I would still love exploring kind of new trails and exploring mountains and just running places just to see where the trail goes or just kind of going on adventures just run across a a mountain range and just see what it looks like over there Um, and I think for competition wise the reason I still do it is i'm i'm curious in terms of what can i get out of myself like how fast can i run or how competitive can i be um you know and trying different uh methods of training and so yeah, just i think curiosity i guess
0: curiosity to kind of explore the ball like you said but obviously curiosity in the same aspect to see what your best looks like right okay now that makes a lot of sense um and I was listening to a podcast the other day, and I think someone was saying something along the lines of um, speaking to their coach. And I said something about, like, oh, can you just, there's like two athletes. I think one said, uh, can you train me to get this time at a certain time? I think. And another athlete was saying to their coach, can you just train me to be the that, that best version of myself? And I've been thinking about that because, in a in weird way, it's like, on one hand, as, a, as an athlete, um, whatever level you're at, Um, whether you're trying to get a certain time or you're trying to compete at a World's Championship sort of level, I'd imagine that there is that kind of line between like, yeah, this is the time I want to get, this is the time I need to win, but then not letting that time become your everything and then limiting you from actually going beyond that. Yeah,
1: I can see that.
0: Do you ever think, do you ever see that in your sort of um, career or sort of, I guess... In the way that you sort of see things,
1: um, it, it's 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 different. Uh, I think you know, with when I'm doing track events, and you need to qualify for something, yeah, then yeah, time be, does kind of consume you. And but in mountain running and trail running, it's more so you need to be competitive. You need to be able to compete. And and it, I, actually, I take that back. There are some races where time uh, does matter, right? For example. Yeah if you already are the favorite for the race, or you've already won it, but now you want to go after the course record or you want to go after the American record or something like that, then time obviously becomes important. Um, but there's not a lot of trail races that have a long history or to where you can um, run objectively. Um, but there are some. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And one of the
0: uh, final questions I ask in my uh, interview is um, what is that one non-negotiable behavior that, the, the runner does. Uh, and I was speaking to another an elite athlete, um, also uh, in trail running, uh, Lee Grantham, and he made a great point after the show actually that um, everything's non negotiable from, you know, sleep, food, you know, um, just the little things that all, they all matter. Uh, so, with that being said, I mean, how do you prioritize your tasks um, to be the best athlete that you can be?
1: uh i think consistency right you um you got to put in the work um the little things matter but ultimately uh you know the the training you really if you don't put in the work then you don't have the confidence and then it affects you mentally and physically so for me the you know putting in the work and making sure that you're prepared to compete
0: i guess it's that repetition is that, that daily repetition where people sort of see it in race day and i think it's something you've just like got some inspiration from above and it's just dropped into your lap but i'm sure it's not like that at all
1: yeah it's hard to say like i mean (laughs) running is such a running is a very complex sport in that uh, not everything matters all the time uh there are some people who say oh no that's not true you know you need to be doing these things always matter like for example Uh, the idea of diet right diet doesn't always matter sleep does not always matter Uh, it matters more depending on what you're doing um period and if, if you're running a ton of miles and you're you have a heavy workload you can eat like crap for you know periods of time you can't eat like crap your whole career of course not um sometimes you're training really hard and you can't sleep right you can't not sleep for a whole year of, of racing and training. You know, there's a periods of time where you might not sleep well. Um, but it's not something that is necessary like all the time.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. And like something that sort of annoys me slightly is like when you listen to a general list of advice, like saying, you know, you need to have, say, eight hours of sleep plus. Now, not knocking the fact that you do need sleep for recovery. But if you've got like a seven month year old, and I know you've got a young, Young child as well, uh, and young kids. You know that's not always possible, and you can't just say like, do you know what, your kids like. I've run this much. Can you let me sort of sit here and like, rest my legs and all that kind of stuff? <laughs> they don't care. <laughs> so, <laughs> I guess in yeah, that they, case they I gotta, they
1: gotta eat, man. Yeah,
0: it's like you come home, like no one cares, like how far you run. They're like, just be dead, do your thing, and shut up. <laughs>
1: just... Yeah. Uh, i found it to be actually better like that I, now that i have kids i notice like there there be days where i had a tough workout or something and i don't feel good and um you come home and and you would waste a lot of time on yourself and just not doing anything and just feeling like crap and now because i know i have kids and i know when i get home that life is going to be different it's made me think about okay Recovery, first and foremost. And um, what am I doing during the workout? Am I overtraining? It's making me look at my training differently. Like, why do I feel that bad? You shouldn't feel horrible like that after a workout for so long. And honestly, they kind of re energize me. Like, I come home kind of tired from the workout, and, you know, I feel better by the end of the time I'm hanging out with my kids before nap time or something like that. You know, when I come home from my workout and we're hanging out before they take their naps, kind of wakes me up a little bit and kind of livens and loosens me up and uh, maybe I had a bad workout and you know hanging out with the kids kind of uh, lightens the mood and you know five minutes after playing with them I don't even remember why I was mad about the workout
0: yeah that's so a it's great been, point
1: it's Been quite beneficial
0: yeah that makes a lot of sense I mean I can sort of relate to it in that sense because you know once you come through the door um whether you hit your splits or you don't hit your splits or while well, you're thinking about the next workout it you're not got all that time to sort of think about it. And like you're saying, sometimes you can, if it's just you and, on your own, you can sit there and think about those thoughts and overthink it. Um, um, And like you're saying, like it's not everything matters all the time. Like, I don't think you need to be like wasting all that mental energy all the time. Um, so um, I think, yeah, definitely. They do help in that way. I think just keep you grounded and keep you focused. Definitely. And... definitely. So moving to um, racing, Um, I'm sort of thinking um, with emotions. I mean, we all have them, we all feel things, Um, but sometimes even when I'm running, say, if I'm doing a workout, I couldn't really tell you what I was thinking or feeling. I mean, it wouldn't be a very long book, Um, but what emotions, I mean, when you, because I guess some are sort of feeling or not feeling or whatever, but I mean, what emotions do you feel that you, you experience for you to run at your optimum best?
1: Um, I mean, it's going to sound bad, but I think I've always, uh, been fueled by hatred, right. Um, and negativity, uh, someone saying I can't do something or, um, doubting me or someone thinking they're better than me, or they're going to beat me or someone thinking I can't reach the mark that I'm looking for, you know, the goal that I'm looking for. And, um, and even mentally, like, sometimes I doubt myself personally and just say, you know, I don't think that's for me. I don't think I'm ready to do that. And it's like in the midst of the race it's like, no, nah, screw that. Let's see if I can make myself wrong. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, it, it is kind of a strange thing to say, but it is something, uh, you know, being fueled by negativity is something that um, I think I've carried even, you know, from basketball is my first sport, even from basketball, it was kind of the same thing in basketball. And, uh, even today, in running,
0: Jono, listening to what you said there, it reminds me of something I've been thinking about. When I saw um, some stuff that Reggie Miller used to do, and even stuff that Michael Jordan did, in, when he talks about in the Last Dance, um, I just using like little bits of energy that people give them to just like motivate them. Because I'm just sort of thinking, like in anyone's career, to be a, a sort of high level motivation, mean, you, you, know, you can't maintain that all the time. So I guess it makes sense to kind of use those little bits just to kind of pick you up and give you that extra bit of fire.
1: Yeah, I never thought about it like that, but that's yeah, that's probably a good way to explain it. <laughs> I mean, I've been thinking about it recently
0: as well. Like for example, like for one of my I've got a, a marathon goal and um I remember getting some negativity about it and I kind of use that as a as a fuel um those, those kind of doubts a little bit. It's not something I think about every day you know what i mean like you carry with you it's one of those things that sort of pop up or someone says something like you say and then you're like i'm gonna show you
1: type thing right yeah no i mean it. i it's probably not as weird as i think like i bet there's a lot of people who are fueled by negativity but maybe just don't want to say it but yeah it's probably pretty normal uh, for athletes to be fueled by doubts and negativity <laughs>
0: no i agree i mean it's i think because sometimes it can't always come from like the nicest of places not saying that habits are horrible people um it can't always come from sort of like sunshines and rainbows and like i'm gonna be the best version of myself for the top of the mountain <laughs> it's from yeah. some sort of deep dark place of just like <laughs> that makes you right. go into that sort of that place that you need to kind of be uncomfortable and just live there exactly and this probably answers the second question but I mean you talked about that sort of side but I mean can you sort of describe the sort of mental tools that you use when you're under pressure um I guess you've talked about the negativity um, uh, not negativity but using that sort of that aspect to sort of fuel in certain parts but are there any other sort of tools that you use um
1: not really you know like I I I, I like high pressure situations. Like, I, I, I don't know. I feel like I thrive off that. Like if it's not a big deal, then I probably won't do very well. You know, if it doesn't mean anything to me, then I, those are the races where I usually don't do as well. So, um, yeah, I think I, I'm looking for that. Like it needs to mean something. There needs to be some kind of drama about it or it, uh, it's a waste of my time in a sense if i'm looking to do something um beyond what i've done before
0: okay um no that makes sense so and i mean that from i mean definitely makes sense in terms of like just where you're coming from and the things that you've done um for those that don't know you um i just like a a really super brief summary i mean you're one of the best trail runners that i think the us has ever produced i mean you represented team usa over 31 times competed at the world mountain running championships I record nine consecutive years you've won eight world championship titles um but with that being said i mean can you sort of give me an example of maybe a challenge that's happened during that time that made you question yourself um, and then how did you manage to
1: turn that around um i mean that's a good question i think um hmm i i'll say i'll say this i haven't had to question myself so much um in terms of like did i run without heart or something like that a lot of times when i didn't do as well as i wanted it was i just didn't put in the work or i didn't take that race serious enough and i had to reevaluate um You know what I was doing with my training and my time, and um, and really make sure I came in ready to compete uh, at those world championships. But um, yeah, I can't think of any one moment per se um, off the top of my head. I would yeah, I'd be wasting too much time to try to think of that.
0: I like that, that that mindset. I think that's obviously a sort of a good insight into sort of sort of where you're at. I mean. But do you think that's something that you might look at, say, once you retired towards the end of your career? I mean, I'm sort of thinking of, say, like when you like, I don't know if you follow soccer or football, but there's um one of my favourite players, Thierry Henry. I remember he was sort of saying like towards the end of his career, he'd remember some of the, the missed chances that he, he had. But he didn't really think about it when he was competing.
1: And he only thought about it once
0: he'd retired.
1: I uh, see. Um. Man, that's a tough one. Like, I feel like um, when it comes to opportunities and, and sponsorships and things like that, and what races you go to and the, the finances behind all that, uh, I try to maximize you know, the, the best decisions I can make in the moment. So, I really don't feel I will regret any of that when I retire. Um, you know, and in hindsight, right? Like, when it's all said and done you'll only know, um, based off of, uh, comparing, right. Like, uh, looking at races that maybe you didn't know about, or, you know, what I'm seeing now too, is there's a, there's a development of many new different types of races in, in in different parts of the world that weren't there in my early career. And it's like, well, I can't regret not going there because it didn't exist. And so, um, more so than anything, I think, you know, the missed opportunities is, is something that um i i don't think i've regretted much there's you know if there was a race that i avoided going to or a race an event that i didn't do or a sponsor that i didn't pursue or or you know i don't think it ultimately affects me today because i felt like it was for a reason yeah and i wouldn't be here if i didn't do that
0: yeah and it goes back to what you talk about obviously um did you, did you do it with all your heart type thing you mentioned it before and it seems like you've sort of go into it just being like look I gave my best so I might be putting a word in your mouth here though so you're like when well, you come out you will just like look I've done the best I could have done at that moment so what do I have to regret? Right Is that me just uh thinking out loud is that is that more kind of uh something you agree with or are you kind of on
1: the fence with that one? No, you're saying basically um, if you feel like you gave it all you had, uh, there's nothing to regret. Yeah. In in a race, you're saying. (laughs) Right. I would say that that's true. Yeah. I mean, I can't think of I mean, now, granted, there are things that have been out of my control, maybe where, um, you know, maybe you fell down or something like that or you ran into somebody, you know, things that maybe you couldn't control. And it's like, well, there's nothing I could do about that. Um, you know, there are a few races in my past career where I guess we could say I regretted wearing a specific shoe or, or you know. Um, yeah, shoe, shoe choices kind of <laughs> burned me a few times in my career. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I guess that's one. That is one now that I'm thinking about it. There's definitely a couple of races in my past where, you know, I wore the wrong shoe and and, I, and it definitely I paid the price for it
0: yeah i think kit is definitely uh that's a good reason that's a good one to to state um and we all talked about the challenging side um but can you um talk about uh, one of your favorite achievements from your career to
1: date <clears throat> um just the consistency um being able to um you know just you know tack on to a lot of the achievements i've accomplished and just kind of consistently adding to those uh, those feats over the years um, over a long period of time um, because I know it's really easy to I guess I shouldn't say it's easy but you know top, any top athlete um, who's really talented and you know they can make a national team or two or they can win a national title or two but to do it over you know, many years consistently, or to win back to back to back to back, that kind of stuff. It's hard to do, um, to repeat uh, and and be consistent at the top, because for one, you get a target on your back. And then secondly, you got to deal with life, like, you you can get injured, um, you know, uh, things can happen outside of your control, and that can affect your ability to be consistent. So yeah, that's the the one thing I'm most proud of is the, the
0: consistency. It's an amazing point to make because uh, when you think of even like a different sport, say like tennis, you've got like Roger Federer. He must right. be 37, 38. And like the consistency he's had been incredible. Um, or
1: Serena, man. Serena yeah. like that. I mean, that's been... I think, doesn't she... She's She's been more consistent consist, or she has a, a bigger resume than him, doesn't she?
0: Yeah, I think she's got more uh, Grand Slams. But um, yeah, she, especially after birth of a daughter as well and the challenges she had as well and yeah it's just been she's an amazing athlete so
1: for sure she's definitely in the in the goat conversation like you know we yeah i've had that conversation with friends (laughs) because we watch you know my house and my family we watch a lot of different sports and and obviously that conversation has come up a lot i would say in the last two years people comparing saying who's the goat of athlete and you know you hear you know, Brady, Jordan, LeBron, you hear all these names, and um, I'm like, man, y'all got to, Serena needs to be in there because she don't have no teammates, she's doing this solo.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly, she's on the court by herself. Too, and she's
1: got to be in that, <laughs> she's got to be in that conversation.
0: Yeah, I agree, and uh, it's interesting that you sort of bring her into the, the conversation that talks about consistently because, yeah, I mean, definitely on the same sort of level, you both in that sort of way in terms of, and that sort of stuff. And I was sort of thinking, like, when younger athletes come to you and they say, Joseph, like, how do you maintain that consistency? I mean, I mean, <laughs> I mean what do you? I mean, I, I know it sounds like a simple question um, on the outside, but like you said, like, so many things happen to people, and they burn out. They listen to the wrong people. They just kind of burn out, whatever, for whatever reason. I mean, how do you think you've managed to kind of navigate that and just kind of keep? Level within all the external kind of madness that's kind of around you
1: um yeah, I've always been kind of a lone wolf um just myself personally, and I think the the benefit of that uh, has been uh I'm not a follower, and I think when you are a follower or you are easily influenced by other people, what happens is you want to do what they're doing. Oh, they ran fast. I want to run fast today. Oh, they ran this time on this mountain. I want to run that mountain now. It's like, you have to figure out what is best for you personally. You can't chase everyone else's dreams and goals. You got to find out what do you want to do? You know, what are your passions and what makes sense for you individually? And I think, you know, that's the one thing I would tell any young athlete.
0: Yeah, it's great advice. And I think, especially now with um, COVID, I think people don't have the option really. Um, Up to a point, I know you can obviously meet, depending where you are, you can meet with teammates or friends. But um, I've kind of been similar in my sort of training. I tend tend to train by myself. On one hand, there's good parts of that because obviously, like you're saying, you you can develop that mental side just doing the long runs by yourself. But then I think equally, you still need a team like we go back to as, as a kid like to push you to uh push you further than you might have gone by yourself and uh just to have that sort of community aspect so it's 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 a hard one isn't it to get that balance right between being on one hand being doing yourself doing stuff solo but then obviously being part of the community
1: yeah i mean definitely the community that's a different story yeah like the running community is so important right in terms of you feeling excited about what you're doing and um, and feeling like you can have people to talk to about a passion that you share. But in terms of the training, I think you can do it. Uh, you can train solo. I've seen. I mean, we've seen a lot of athletes uh, train solo and, and do some amazing things. Um, yeah. I mean, I yeah. could name a few athletes even. I want to say even, uh, I might have his first name wrong, but the guy, isn't Car- is it Carlos Lopes? i don't know if it's lopez or lopes but uh was he from argentina no he's not from argentina the guy he won world cross a couple times but i mean i've read a little bit about him and he trained alone and i mean the guy was a beast um what he was doing how he would dominate some of those those cross-country championships back in the day Um, but i'm sure he wasn't training alone all the time you know like even and then so like yeah, i think there's maybe a happy balance you know if you are competing at that level you probably do need some help here and there yeah yeah with
0: coaching and that kind of stuff but yeah i mean like i like i completely agree i think like the bulk of it you can do at some bits alone and still be successful um so yeah i hear you on that sort of side and this next point i'm i'm kind of a bit and too mild about it because on one hand, I remember sitting in a, a Q&A with Mary Kitani before the New York City Marathon last year, and someone asked her. Um, so Mary, like, what like mental techniques do you use before the race? And she was just like, I don't have any mental techniques. I just I just give me the water and I go. Do you know I mean? I just, <laughs> there's nothing that deep. And I think the guy was looking for like some mantras, like, "Mol, whatever." I say this, and then when it gets really tough, then I say this. <laughs> so yeah. um, I'm just sort of thinking, like, we've spoken about consistency and I know people like to complicate things more than they need to be and it's not that complicated you've spoken about consistency just doing the right things uh, understanding your processes and just repeating them Um, so the physical work is like crucial and I don't think you can get the the mental side without doing the physical work Uh, but just looking at the mental side of the training um, not so much in the races but more in your day to day um, training life I mean do you follow a plan or i mean what's your general um guidelines in terms of like um helping you get into your sort of best mental state before you get up and run or you go back to do a session for example
1: um i i, I mentally um i hate to say it i'm kind of boring like mary is like i'm uh reflecting back to what i said before is um i uh I wake up, I'm thankful, Uh, you know, I thank God for another day and, uh, and for the opportunity to live and, and breathe this, this beautiful air that we have. And, um, from there is, you know, I get to work, like there's really not much of a thought process. It's like something, it's just like clockwork. Like, this is what I do. You know what I mean? There's, it's not, it's not much thought goes into it, um, And I do have a, yeah, I do have a plan. Um, You know, there's part of the year where I'm coaching myself for the trails and stuff like that. And then if I'm going to focus on like cross country or something like that, then I'll um, follow my coach's plan pretty heavily and uh, training with uh, that group.
0: Yeah, I mean, listening to what you said reminds me of something I remember reading. I think it might have been Dan Carter, um, a rugby player for New Zealand. And he basically after they won the world cup he put something on Twitter basically like a note from his a notebook and he said something like what you just said like he said I'm I'm born to do this it's like you said like this is what I do what I mean so you've got that confidence and then everything else kind of we've got the gratitude part and he talked about having fun but it's really simple but like if you look at those like couple sentences I mean it's obviously distilled from all the other stuff before um, and it just really sort of reminded me what you just said there
1: yeah no, I mean, and uh, sidebar here, but um, man, I thought I was pretty well versed, like or like I felt like I watched a lot of different sports and I was uh, pretty um, privy to most sports. But man, listening to you talk, I realized, man, you know <laughs> about athletes and sports that you know, I'm just not privy to. I'm impressed. <laughs>
0: I know a little bit of some stuff, and you know a little bit some other stuff, and I'm sure we probably <laughs> both blow each other's minds for some bits as well. So <laughs>
1: yeah, definitely.
0: I mean, I'm just sort of curious, and just like how people just think and get, just do things, and just work at the, the highest levels really, and uh, just like you say, just make what people maybe overcomplicate into something a lot simpler. Um, so no, that was uh, really helpful hearing what you said, and that's what it triggered. Uh, that that thought of just seeing that picture um and you also mentioned about faith um thanking god um can you sort of explain why faith is important to you and how you connect your running and your faith together
1: yeah um i I mean i guess it's important to me because um it's attached to my identity it's attached to my knowledge uh, and of, of life and, and things like that and, and the nature of man and, the, and why humans are here. Um, so, you know, my, my faith is really much, very much connected to that. Um, and when it comes to athletics, it's, it's um, not so much athletics, it's just like life, right? Like, I don't believe in praying um, to God and asking for anything. I believe that God has given you everything that you need in life there. You know, I, a lot of times I'm kind of annoyed sometimes when I see people pray on TV and asking God for all these things. And, and it's just a per, my personal, you know, this isn't something that uh, is proven, say in the Bible, but for me, um, I feel like there's no reason to ask God for things. He gave you freedom of choice, gave you a brain. Um, and, uh, And you if you wake up and you have life, then you can pursue anything that you want to pursue in life. And um, and you have that freedom of choice and the the fact that you were given that blessing of life. And so for me, running is just one of those blessings that uh, if I'm given life, then I can pursue that passion. And so, you know, yes, I guess my faith would be very much, you know, connected to um, my faith, my running and my faith. (laughs)
0: It's really interesting what you said there about, um, uh, obviously, other people's uh, prayers and, and and your thoughts about that. And like you said, it's obviously, but what, I think what really resonated to me more so is like when you sort of said about, um, I don't know how to, to phrase this better, but essentially you have what you need. So if you, you really go into it with that belief, you're grateful for what you have. So you're grateful for the blessings that you have you don't need to be looking for more was if you're saying i haven't got this then you're kind of
1: always looking for more right you're i mean you're you're in a sense like (laughs) it's greed right like yeah um you you woke up this morning and you got and you have life but maybe uh you don't have these 500 hundred dollar pair of shoes that you really like well you can work towards getting those you know, yeah. it isn't, it's not God's job to put those shoes on your feet. Yeah, uh, and and the and the fact of the matter is, that some people will have to work harder to get that same pair of shoes, um, and that sucks. You know, that is one thing that really uh, is a down, you know, just a down spiral for, for me in terms of uh, the human experience and human nature, um, in terms of how we experience life individually and how it, it can be drastically different. Um, but it is the nature of things.
0: Yeah. No, I really love that. I love that, um, that way of seeing it. And, and uh, yeah, I mean, like, if, if you, I guess, if you go about your day, waking up, going, it's subconscious. If you're saying, "I'm not enough for this," or "I've not got that," then it really impacts other things, and it impacts your training, your, your day-to-day life, and like it's just the the way you sort of see things. I guess. Yeah. No, I, I really yeah. like that way of thinking. I think an argument I hear, especially in the current sort of climate with kind of Black Lives Matter is that you can't be what you can't see. And I was in a situation when I did my uh, World Marathon Major races um, and I kind of, I remember the person that inspired me to do it was actually a white friend. Um, and looking back, at I didn't have many black friends that did it. Um, so... And it's not something i sort of realized until afterwards but now i look back and i can see other people um especially now we're talking about like running in trails for example and the access to trails especially if you live in an urban environment how that's uh, you know difficult to get into in terms of access money um resources that kind of stuff so i can really understand how that is actually a real sort of valid point you can't be what you can't see um especially maybe if you've got a team as well where, um to sort of do it um so i mean put that to one side i mean you being a, like a handful of like black americans in mountain and trail running events i mean what do you sort of see as a kind of the main access or main access barriers for uh minority trail runners to get into the sport
1: um yeah no so i guess to answer that it reflects back to what you were saying before sorry. um and it What you say, you said you can't be what you can't see. And and that very much relates to, you know, the message that I have um, been sharing over the years and that, um, you know, black athletes are not being covered um, equally uh, when it comes to media uh, and in our sport, especially in trail running. And you can't uh, inspire that next generation of young athletes if they don't have someone that looks cool, that's doing good in the sport. you know, giving them a face that looks like them that maybe came from a similar life, to them. Um, and now they can aspire to that person. You know, you look at basketball in, in our country in the NBA. Why are the best basketball players in the world black? Well, I could speak specifically from the American experience. Um, advertisements. You know, we saw black athletes in advertisements. We saw black athletes uh, promoting brands, shoe brands and things like that. So when we were younger, we were like, oh, that's what I want to do. Right. And and the same thing, it was, you know, it's a pretty diverse sport because there were white athletes who were really good, too. Right. Like Larry Bird, um, yeah. Jerry West. They were able to inspire white kids. Then we look at trail running. It's like white, 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 you know, so. How are we supposed to inspire black kids when there's nobody who looks like them being, you know, uh, marketed or or being seen in the media? And, you know, the big problem with that is what you see later, right? Uh, Brands typically sponsor athletes who are in the media. So if you don't have black people in the media and you also don't have black people, Inspiring the next generation, then how will we ever see any kind of real growth and diversity in the sport? Um, <laughs> you know what I mean. And and so, yeah, you can't be what you can't see. Like I had nobody that looked like me, and it was a very weird um, idea to be doing distance running. You know, in my community. And um, whereas if I had someone like, um, say myself, right, I could be like, oh, Joe Gray's doing it. He's traveling doing this and this and that and he's winning these championships and you know he is sponsored by these brands if i had someone like me to talk about what i was getting into it would change their perception because they go be like, oh okay that is kind of cool yeah. but if you don't have people like that then it remains a weird sport and then that's going to be a barrier and then um kind of talk on what you were saying about the urban uh, you know people who maybe live away from trails i started running you know in urban environments you can do urban trail running you can run uh there's there's dirt there's parks in urban areas um you you can still enjoy distance running living in urban areas and so like i said you can make it cool it's just there's no media influence
0: Yeah. yeah i totally agree with what you're saying and um Something I'm doing with a group of other runners in the UK is we set up a group called um, Black Trail Runners. um, And one of our early initiatives was to write an open letter to directors, basically asking for ethnicity data, um, full well knowing that there's probably not going to be a lot of data um, available. And if there is data available, that it's going to sort of show that there's not a lot of uh, like minority uh, runners um, within those races are taking part, um, and we've been really surprised in terms of like the amount of um, races that have got got in touch and want to sort of change that conversation, which is really cool. Um, but it's still a long way to go. I mean, we've targeted sort of three areas to sort of uh, to work on in terms of access. Uh, we what you talked about there in terms of the the urban side, and like you said, you can still actually run like even London. You can still do stuff within London. Um, there's still parks and you, know I mean, you can do it and then once you've learned those certain skills then you can say get on a train with a group of other people and then go outside obviously it depends on the location of where you are, uh, obviously UK is a lot smaller than where you are um, so it, it might not be easy for everyone to do that but I mean there are there are ways that you can try to make things work, so we talk about access and we've got representation um, and then we're looking at to develop skills um, just to get more people involved in the sport not to create like a separatist type thing because that's not worry about We just want to make it a normal part of the conversation um that you see for the black community yeah exactly um right. <laughs> that's the thing though like if the community actually was diverse as everyone thought it would then this group wouldn't need to exist and that's what exactly. sometimes people will miss
1: exactly
0: um i know you've started something as well um you've got a grassroots initiative called projects Inspire diversity um which is aimed at sort of getting young minority distance runners in colorado can you talk a little bit about this and the work that you're doing
1: yeah so i mean it's just more so something that i came up with because you know i wanted to take action i didn't want to just complain or and, and talk about all oh, the media doesn't care about black athletes and brands don't care about black athletes it's like well even if that is true or, we can argue left or right on that. I don't care, but I want to take action. I know what I've seen. I know what I've experienced. I know the issues that I have witnessed personally. And so I knew that action was going to be something that needed to be done in terms of making change. And so I wanted to inspire, you know, some local kids, um, minority kids, and to get into trail running or not even trail running, but just to distance running. And I want to keep them motivated, so that they stay in the sport and they're excited about it because uh, I look at my early um, career when I was given a pair of free shoes and how much that meant to me and how much that inspired me to to, to run more and just enjoy the sport and to really pay attention to it more. And so, um, you know, thankfully, I've had really supportive sponsors that are getting behind me on this and they provide me a product that I can then give, uh, you know, gift that to a kid in the community and um you know hopefully we we're trying to expand on that next year and uh, do a mountain running camp for black youth and um just kind of expose them you know a lot of these kids maybe have never camped before many of them probably none of them will have had mountain running racing experience and we want to be able to give that to them as well during the camp and um so yeah i just want to create a unique opportunity
0: i think that's really cool what you said there because um people just say like you know running a cheap sport or what whatever you just get a pair of shoes and you go and as you've highlighted then something we've realized as well it's not about saying to someone here's a pair of shoes here is a race entry now go and knock yourself out <laughs> it's about right. building that team effort like you said having that camp around around you uh, with the equipment as well um because without team and community it kind of it, it's very hard to maintain it
1: right yeah, I mean, and then, you know, just having uh, experience, you know, in the mountains can help you be more comfortable with even pursuing a racer and being around other trail athletes. And, you know, we're going to have myself and other people there who are uh, familiar with the sport, you know, being able to answer questions for the kids. And I look back on even uh, my basketball career, right? Yeah. My, um, when I first started playing basketball and going to tournaments and things like that there's so much you don't know about tournaments and and how they the flow of tournaments and and jamborees and things like that and being around kids who've been there you learn a lot within five minutes talking to them and it's like if you didn't know that if you know the teams that go to jamborees and tournaments they get blown out they're they're not there for more they, they, they take their first few losses and they're out there and um, so you know having that experience and knowing what to expect the pressure or understanding what it's going to be like um, those experiences that I can take from you know knowledge and then being able to be around people to give me information going to those tournaments is something that experience I know is powerful and bring to kids who are maybe going to be new to mountain running and maybe have not had that experience and also bring them a camping experience so that they understand that and how to, you know, be in outdoors and how to set up a tent and sleep out in the outdoors and enjoy it. Um, which I think is very important. It's a beautiful land and you got to get out there and explore it. And, and camping is just one of those ways to do it. Even if, you know, maybe let's just say, uh, money's an issue, you know, um, I know there, there have been periods of, when when i was younger where money was an issue and maybe exploring a new town or a new mountain uh, i didn't have money to stay in a hotel so i could could camp out for free and and maybe in some um, situations you might have to pay like a small um camping fee or something like that to stay on like a campground but much cheaper than a hotel when you know you're you don't have as much money so you know just showing them how to experience outdoors um you know in a, in a way where you don't have to ask your parents for 150 bucks to stay in a hotel or something
0: yeah it's like being resourceful and i guess <laughs> to be honest ironically those course that you take into running anyways i always feel like running is like problem solving anyways it's like being a detective of some kind because nothing ever always goes it goes to plan there's always something that happens slightly that might deviate you and you've got to kind of deal with it at that moment
1: yeah that's for sure you gotta be quick on your feet <laughs> definitely i
0: love i love that pun there by the way <laughs> I mean, that's definitely definitely useful you've worked hard to sort of build up um to where you are now um and from the outside looking in people will have preconceived ideas of who they think you are based on what they think is true um so they'll look at you like a pro athlete they will be like yeah it's all right for Joseph. He's alright. He's got it sorted. He's 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 fine. <laughs> he's he's got his he's got stuff sorted. Um, but when you look at yourself in the mirror, who do you see looking back at you?
1: Um, I don't know. I mean, I I see a child looking back at me uh, who has like a lot of goals and and um, still looks at life as a I don't know as a just as a a ball of opportunities. I look at life as a ball of opportunities and um, that's the person I just like a child. I I see a child looking back and, um, and not knowing what opportunities do I want to, you know, choose. And um, so, yeah, I mean, I guess that's a good way to put it. I also, I also, I also see, um, you know, I think (laughs) it took a while I think to hit me, but I actually, I saw. I see a father now. I see a dad. Like I don't see um, just, just Joseph the runner, or Joseph the husband anymore. It's like uh, you're you are a father. You have to make better choices in life because you have two sets of eyes. Your children are now looking at you, um, and they are influenced by what you do. And so, uh, yeah, I look at myself as my life is different now in terms of i can't just think for myself and just even going back to what we were talking about dealing with racism i am very upset and emotionally charged about what's going on in our country um right now and and i realize well um i can't go out and do something stupid right because i am a father now
0: yeah i hear you um i feel the same sort of way really um so many great points in that and um you, know, you say, like your kids, they're watching, they're listening, they're picking everything up. It's like they, they just pick up what you do rather than what you say. You just need to make sure that what you say and what you do marry together so you don't give them the wrong sort of message, really. And like you're saying, like as right. a father, yeah, Me for see. sure. so you're saying,
1: oh, I was just saying, yeah. Confusing, you know. You don't want to confuse the kids because that's the last thing you want to do. Then you're going to have a million questions to answer. <laughs>
0: yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and if you could go back to, if you could go back in time, hypothetically speaking, and you could speak to your younger self, um, what one piece of advice would you give you yourself?
1: I guess take your time. You know, don't rush. Don't rush through life. Um, I think there were periods in my time where I was so hell-bent on rushing through things and getting done with college and just rushing through grad school. And it's like, um, in hindsight, it's like, well, yeah, you really don't have to rush through grad school. It's, you, know, you can take your time. And um, But yeah, there's other periods in, in life and other experiences where I think um, I maybe was so focused on the the task at hand that I maybe missed out on something uh, in the present moment that um, that I was experiencing but just maybe not appreciating and uh so yeah I would tell myself to slow down and smell the roses so when we talk about um
0: the uh, sort of slowing down the process and not rushing Are you talking about um, the process of uh, slowing down to kind of listen to um, your true self um, the skills that you have the strengths that you have um, or is it kind of and also I guess um, concurrently alongside that is it also listening to yourself but then obviously not paying too much attention to sort of other people's expectations of what you should be and where you should be
1: um, I think um, it's really external to me, right? It's not not so much when I say I rushed, you know, to accomplish things in life. Um, I think it's more so um, I missed things, right? There were people maybe who I, I um, would have loved to spend more time with or um, would have loved to have a conversation or, you know, about something specifically, but because, of you know, you kind of rush through things and you're so focused on on one thing, there are a lot of uh, relationships and 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 social experiences that maybe you just kind of fly past, and even uh, I think slowing down sometimes, right? It can help you um, reevaluate and even create new goals and tasks uh, in life by listening to other people what they might think of what you're doing and and listening to their ideas for goals for you um, and not so much only thinking about what you want to accomplish in that moment but understanding that maybe there are some other goals that other people see for you um and just thinking about them being conscious of it
0: what is one non-negotiable behavior that or habit or superstition that you do daily
1: um i just i give god thanks for life is definitely one of them um I always kiss my kids and my wife before I go for a run. Yeah, I would say those are the (laughs) the two things that are are unchanging for me.
0: I really like those ones because it it sort of ties into um, stuff for other people as well, um, especially the family sort of side. Um, One of the popular answers I get is like um, having coffee or things like that, but. I think, you know, you have gotta find what works for you, but no, I really like those answers.
1: Yeah, I just uh, you know, I've always um I, I I am a skeptic, right? I'm the kind of person who thinks um this could very well be the last time I see my children when I go out for a run. Like you could I could get hit by a car, I could get struck by lightning, anything can happen. Not that I'm thinking about that, you know, like when I wake up like, oh my die, let me kiss my kids. But yeah. I realize Like nothing is guaranteed, nothing is promised. And so uh, if this moment, if I can kiss my kids and I can kiss my wife before I go, you know, to my on my journey, then then I I should and I will. Um, And that's just kind of how I look at it. Like, I don't walk in fear, per se, but it's like, uh, you know, I want to have that connection with them before I leave them for a while. Yeah, I I mean, like. Yeah, it's
0: like gratitude and respect as well, isn't it? Like you're saying, it doesn't have to be like a morbid feeling like this is the last time, right. but it's like you're just showing your, your yeah. care and affection and stuff. I think that's a nice...
1: Yes, you you get
0: it, I mean, but there's,
1: there <laughs> are some people who might not get that. I'm like, man, you are you know, you in fear or something. It's like <laughs> Quite the contrary, I'm not I'm not the kind of person
0: Yeah, you're not like stepping out your door, it. like waiting for five minutes thinking... Popping head of a slow
1: round corner. No? <laughs> <laughs> you know I mean? Should I go now? I'll wait another five minutes. I need to, I need to go on a run with the AR 15 because I might get killed out here. You know, I'm not that person.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and what is uh, the biggest lesson that sport has taught you?
1: Um, humility. Um, yeah. I mean, I think uh, just having respect for. Um, others and understanding that uh, there's a lot of great talent out there and you're not the best always and uh, I don't know I think that's a good lesson right to understand that hey you're not the best always and you you got things that you need to work on and um, you definitely will be humbled if you stick around sports long enough
0: yeah I really like that and uh, I think it's definitely a great one to sort of pass on to your kids isn't it because it's like whether you win or you don't win, you still have to be humble on both sides.
1: Right, yeah. Yeah. Humility, it's a good lesson. Um, and that's one, you know, I think my dad definitely instilled in me from a young age. Like, uh, he didn't let me win anything, you know. My... <laughs> <laughs> he spanked me. Me and my dad used to have some really crazy games of basketball when I one as I got old. And, you know, he just he wouldn't let me win. And even, even when I was a kid, it wasn't like I expected my dad to let me shoot because I was short or, you know, or I wasn't faster than him. So I expected him to let me get around him. He was like, no, you want to get around, you get around, find a way. Um, no one's going to give you anything. I'm not going to let you win because you're a kid, you know what I mean? And um, but his humility, I learned that. And when I beat him, you know, he took his L. And it was a a very powerful lesson. I'm thinking, you know, I think the first time I beat him, I was thinking I was really uh, uh, (laughs) inconsolable and arrogant as hell When the first time I beat him. I was so happy, just like I won the world championship, man. And um, I remember my dad, it, it was no big deal to him. And I think that was a powerful moment for me to witness that, to understand that. Well, even when a champion wins all the time and they lose, they still have humility for and respect for the person that beat them. And uh, so, you know, I've learned to respect uh, my competitors, uh, win or lose.
0: I love that. that's a great lesson. Um, yeah, for humility there and a great way to end the, uh, the podcast. Um, the final question is, uh, where can people uh, follow your journey online?
1: Um, so my Twitter and my Instagram name are the same, uh, at Joe Jeezy, J O E G E E Z I. And then, um, facebook.com slash journey of Joe Jeezy. Um, those are the, the main platforms I use. So, uh, yeah, if you, uh, want to give it a follow or, um, want to connect, uh, ask questions, whatever, just say, Hey, that's all welcome.
0: Awesome. It's been great talking to you. Uh, thank you for being a guest on the Runner's Live podcast.
1: Hey, thank you for inviting me to your platform, man. I really appreciate it.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of A Runner's Life. If you found value in this episode and want to support the show, please share with your community, post on your social media channels and encourage them to listen and subscribe. If you want to support my work directly, you can become a member on Patreon at www.patreon.com slash life If you want to get in touch with me or see what I'm up to, you can follow me on my Instagram page at TheMarathonMarcus Your time is valuable, so thank you for spending your time listening to this episode of a Runner's Life podcast.